Uh, Let us join together in prayer this morning. God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of each of our hearts be pleasing to you. You are truly our rock and our redeemer, the water that washes over each of us. Amen. Water is powerful. Just think of how water over the years and decades and centuries has formed rivers and oceans over the lifetime of our planet, or how our bodies are made up of so much water, or how desperate our bodies are in need of water to continue to survive. Maybe some of you received our senior pastor Chris's newsletter this week, his column on how water has impacted us personally here at the church over the past few years. It is really, really hard for me to explain to you all what it is like on December 23rd, the day before Christmas Eve in our 11 a.m. service, to receive a video of our atrium just outside of these doors that has water pouring in through the windows. So if you were with us on Christmas Eve, you remember there were vacuums out in the atrium. It was quite a different experience than we are used to. And our son, Miles, actually attends the preschool just across the hallway here at the church. And their main office, of course, sustained a lot of damage through this sprinkler leak. So they have black paper covering the bottoms of the walls all down the hallway. And that is where sheetrock has already been removed to start the repairs. And there's different carpet pulled up. And so last Tuesday on Miles' day back, to school, he looked around and said, what happened? And I reminded him of all the the vacuums and the fans and the flooding, and I told him, water is powerful. So, as a two-year-old, for the rest of the week, any time we walked over to the preschool and he saw workers working to repair, or he heard the fans, or he saw little puddles of water, he would look at me and say, Mama, water is powerful. Water is powerful. Today is the Sunday after Epiphany Sunday. A lot of you were able to join us for a combined church-wide service last week in the sanctuary, and we celebrated Epiphany Sunday. We remembered that familiar story of the wise men coming to visit Jesus and his family. And today, we are actually going to jump forward quite a bit in the life of Christ. So the second chapter of the Gospel of Matthew ends with Jesus and his family. Jesus is a child. They are told to flee to Egypt to save Jesus's life. Then we're told years later, Jesus and his family eventually return to Israel and they settle in the town of Nazareth. Then, when we begin chapter three of Matthew, so all of this happens very, very early, we are introduced to a man named John the Baptist, who from other gospels we know is Jesus's cousin because Jesus's mother was Mary and John's mother was Elizabeth. John appears in the wilderness and he calls all the Israelites he, come across, he comes across to confess 
to repent, to be made new through baptism. It doesn't tell us how much time has passed since Jesus and his family have returned to Israel, but we're to assume that John and Jesus are both at adulthood at this point in their lives. As John is baptizing and proclaiming the coming of the Lord, we see Jesus as an adult, and we hear Jesus for the very first time in Matthew's gospel speak. Our scripture reading this morning will be from Matthew 3, verses 13 through 17. At that time, Jesus came from Galilee to the river Jordan so that John would baptize him. John tried to stop Jesus and said, I need to be baptized by you, yet you come to me? Jesus answered, allow me to be baptized now. This is necessary to fulfill all righteousness. So John agreed to baptize Jesus. When Jesus was baptized, he immediately came up out of the water. Heaven was open to him, and Jesus saw the Spirit of God coming down like a dove and resting on him. A voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I dearly love. I find happiness in him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Let the church say, thanks be to God. This story, the story of Jesus' baptism, is found in all three synoptic gospels, which means Matthew, Mark, and Luke. The gospel of John kind of does its own thing per usual. And in each story of Jesus' baptism, they're all a little different. The difference here in Matthew's version that sticks out most to me is the hesitation that John has when Jesus comes to be baptized. Hesitations are interesting reactions from humans. Not interesting in that they're not natural, Hesitations are very natural. Interesting more in a way of how a hesitation can mean a number of different things. In baseball, hesitating at the plate could mean for a much needed ball call from the umpire, or it could mean a strike that could have been a grand slam. In a relationship, a hesitation can help prevent a big blow-up by giving us time to calm down and reflect. Or a hesitation could show second-guessing or a lack of commitment on your part. There are a lot of motivations behind our hesitations. We could be buying time we could feel as if maybe we're not quite up to the challenge. We could be weighing the pros and cons of the decision we're faced with. We could also just really want to say no, but we're hesitating to think it through. Hesitation is normal, and it's hard for an outsider to determine what someone else's hesitation may mean. Luckily for us, the scripture the Bible is packed full of God's people hesitating when something is asked of them. 
Moses hesitates when God calls him to free the Israelites from the Egyptians. Jonah hesitates and also runs away when Jesus asks him to go to Nineveh. Orpah hesitates when Naomi asks her and Ruth to go back home for a second time. In our passage from Matthew, John could be hesitating to baptize Jesus for a number of reasons. John may think that Jesus is perfect, so he couldn't possibly have anything to confess or repent of, so why would he need a baptism? It's clear that from John's response, John thinks that he is not worthy enough to baptize Jesus, that surely Jesus is the one who should be out baptizing, not John. I love the hesitation here of John's hesitation. I love the tension that John's hesitation brings to this story. It forces all of us, the reader, to really understand what Jesus is asking to understand the importance of the act of baptism. And it gives us a clear understanding of who people already see Jesus to be. Jesus has not spoken in scripture before this moment. We have not seen Jesus heal. We have not seen Jesus teach. We have not seen Jesus perform miracles. And still, John acknowledges that they are all inferior compared to Jesus. And as Jesus does, Jesus does the unexpected. Jesus doesn't start baptizing others. Instead, Jesus pushes back on John's hesitation and says, no, John, you baptize me. This will fulfill all righteousness, which may seem like a vague response to us, but it's enough to convince John to go forward and baptize Jesus. Jesus sees John's hesitation, and Jesus comes alongside him to guide him past any feelings of inferiority or assumptions Jesus sees the importance of what John is offering to the people. Jesus knows that he himself has come as a living sacrifice, a living sign of new birth, and Jesus wants to live into that calling. Jesus knows that water is powerful, and by Jesus being baptized, the practice of baptism is given even more power and shown as a sign of this new life. After Jesus' baptism, Jesus finds himself at the beginning of his ministry. He is then tempted in the desert. He calls his very first disciples. He goes out into the world to teach, to heal, to love. Baptism is a starting point of his ministry. As Christians, and more specifically United Methodists, we believe that baptism is powerful. 
We believe that it is an outward symbol of an inward grace. It's something that shows the entire world what we believe and who we put our trust in. And it's way more than what anyone can see on the outside. It's more about an inside transformation that we have committed ourselves to being more like Christ and to following God's call in our lives. Baptism does not mean that we are magically perfect. It means that we want to be directed by God in our everyday life. And believe it or not, hesitation is often a part of this powerful journey to claim our faith. It's okay if we hesitate as we work to be more like Christ. It's okay if we find ourselves stopping and asking questions and pushing back and really wrestling with the intricacies of our faith. God is powerful enough to handle our doubt, our questions, our fear, our reservations, our hesitations. As John went forward baptizing people, the people would often confess and repent. The people would make themselves vulnerable before they were baptized. They would unburden themselves. Vulnerability is not an easy path. Vulnerability can be embarrassing It can be difficult, and it is inevitably filled with a lot of hesitations as we weigh how honest we can really be with others, much less with ourselves. I think that's part of the beauty of Jesus being baptized by John the Baptist, John didn't want Jesus to seem vulnerable. John didn't want Jesus to be seen as less than by humbling himself before John. But this, friends, is the crux of Jesus' entire ministry moving forward. Jesus humbles himself to others. Jesus makes space for all people at the table. He cries when his friend dies. He makes time for the overlooked. He continues to press forward even in the face of death. And Jesus shows us what it means to be humble, what it means to follow God. Jesus shows us that vulnerability is not a sign of weakness. In baptism, we unburden ourselves we remember that we are not alone. We are held accountable in a community with others who also struggle, who also worry, who also fail. And through it all, we're called and invited to a lifetime of faith. Water is powerful. Baptism as a sign of our commitment to Christ is a very powerful thing. Today, we have the opportunity to do what we're calling reaffirm our faith together as a community. This service is sometimes called as a bab- sometimes referred to as a baptismal renewal service 
or an opportunity to remember your own baptism. So in just a few minutes, I'm going to invite you all to join with me, and we are going to look at some of the questions that are asked of us at our baptism. And if you haven't been baptized, that's okay. You're fully included in all of this. We're not checking for a card or something here. Um, so I'm going to ask y'all some of these historic questions that are asked of people when they are baptized. And as you answer them, you'll notice that a few of them are very familiar. They come from the Apostles' Creed that we have used occasionally as an affirmation of faith here in this space. And then after we do these questions together, you were all going to be invited to come forward and do what our children did a few moments ago. You're going to be invited to dip your hands in the water and you can just dip your hands. If you wanna make a cross on your head or cross yourself, whatever you feel called to do, uh, you are welcome to do that. And if you've never been baptized before, maybe this will be that kind of inkling in your heart that you want to make that outward sign of an inward grace. And I would love to talk to you more about that. So this morning, we affirm our faith together using some of these ancient questions. Brothers and sisters in Christ, through the sacrament of baptism, we are initiated into Christ's holy church. We are incorporated into God's mighty acts of salvation and given new birth through water and the spirit. All this is God's gift offered to each of us without any price. Through the reaffirmation of our faith, we renew the covenant declared at our baptism. Also, P.S., in the United Methodist Church, often we baptize infants. Uh, so if you were baptized as an infant and you're thinking, Stephanie, how am I going to remember my baptism? I was a baby. Uh, we remember the people who spoke up at our baptism. We remember the people who have joined us in a community who remember things we may not. And uh, in the United Methodist Church, when we are confirmed, that is often the moment that we make those own decisions for ourselves. So even if you were a baby, cool, you're welcome. All right, we renew the covenant declared at our baptism and acknowledge what God is doing for us and we affirm our commitment to Christ's holy church. So now these ancient questions. On behalf of the whole church, I ask you, do you renounce the spiritual forces of wickedness, reject the evil powers of this world and repent of your sin? I do. Do you accept the freedom and power God gives you to resist evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves? I do. Do you confess Jesus Christ as your savior, put your whole trust in his grace, and promise to serve him as your Lord in union with the church which Christ has opened to people of all nations, ages, and races? I do. According to the grace given to you, will you remain faithful members of Christ's holy church and serve as Christ's representatives in the world? I will. Let us join together in professing the Christian faith as contained in the scriptures of the Old and New Testament. Do you believe in God the Father Almighty? I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. Do you believe in Jesus Christ? I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven, is seated at the right hand of the Father, 
and will come again to judge the living and the dead. Do you believe in the Holy Spirit? I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. In the days, oh, let us pray together. Eternal Father, when nothing existed but chaos, you swept across the dark waters and brought forth light. In the days of Noah, you saved those on the ark through water. After the flood, you set in the clouds a rainbow. When you saw your people as slaves in Egypt, you led them to freedom through the sea. Their children you brought through the Jordan to the land which you promised. Let us join together. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Tell of God's mercy each day. In the fullness of time, you sent Jesus, nurtured in the water of a womb. He was baptized by John and anointed by your spirit. He called his disciples to share in the baptism of his death and resurrection and to make disciples of all nations. Declare his works to the nations, his glory among all people. Pour out your Holy Spirit, and by this gift of water, we call to our remembrance the grace declared to us in baptism. For you have washed away our sins. You clothe us with righteousness, and that dying and rising with Christ, we might share in his final victory. All praise to you, eternal Father, through your Son, Jesus Christ, who with you and the Holy Spirit lives and reigns forever. Amen.